School is starting back up again, so I thought it would be fun to talk to a couple of student journalists about who they are and what they do. We'll do that with two episodes this week. Hope you enjoyed this one. Please check out the one that we release on Thursday as well. Thank you. Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. We're joined by Ahmed Ahmed. Ahmed was named the Nevada Student Journalist of the Year by the Journalism Education Association. He spent three years on the staff of the Southwest Shadow at Southwest Career and Technical Academy in Nevada. And now he's headed to the University of Chicago to study political science. Ahmed, thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for having me. Always happy to, always happy to talk to people. So on your website, you write, as a person born into poverty to two working class immigrants, I've long been extremely fascinated by policies designed to make the economy fairer and more equitable. Can you tell us about that, but within the context of your journalism origin story and how you got interested in doing what you did in high school? Yeah, sure. So I think all people's, um, all, all people's childhoods and the circumstances in which they're raised, raised shape them to some extent. And I think for me, like I mentioned, like you mentioned in the piece that you just, or part that you just quoted, it always, you know, being born in those circumstances sort of left me with, you know, a sort of really deep passion for analyzing public policy that lets people live better lives than that they were born into that decreases the salience and importance of the circumstances that they were born into and increases the importance of how hard they work, how smart they are, things of that nature. And so in middle school, uh, I became super interested. I've always been really interested in politics, but then in middle school, I became super interested basically in public policy. I would you know, read policy papers. I would try to get more. I would try to read more about economics and try to learn more about it. And as a journalist, something that I liked doing both as a reporter and as an opinion writer is I really enjoyed writing pieces about, about policies that improved people's lives. Because I think too often opinion writing in it being super analytical can undermine its own goal of persuading people to support things that improve people's lives, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where where are your parents? Where did they emigrate from? My mom was. They were both. They were both born in Ethiopia. My mom then moved to uh, Saudi Arabia, and then she moved to the U.S. My dad then moved to Sudan, and then moved to the U.S. Was there anything in in your in their background or your heritage that lent itself to telling stories and and doing the kinds of writing that you wound up doing? Not really, to be honest. Whenever I asked my parents about. Um, Whenever I asked my parents about like stuff that happened when they were kids, there was very opaque. There was very vague. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like maybe it's like a reverse thing. I always wanted to get super into storytelling because they weren't very interested in it. What was the first journalistic kind of thing that you did? I'd say this doesn't really count as journalism, but when I was like a really young kid, when I was in elementary school, my dad would encourage me to like um, transcribe pieces from like the novels I was reading. And the reason I say it wasn't really journalistic is because it wasn't really about writing skill. It was more about improving my horrible handwriting because my handwriting as a kid was abysmal. And now as a journalist, 
everything I do is typed, so it didn't matter in the end. <laughs> so I know a few things about you from going through your website and going through the articles mm-hmm. that you wrote. I know that you're into politics. That's an understatement. Right. I know that, you, that you've done work for a think tank. That's certainly different, not something I would necessarily even expect from a high school student. I noticed that in your goodbye to your school paper, you cited nationally known columnists of varying political viewpoints, which was interesting. And mm-hmm. you said that John Stewart is your greatest influence. And I think that's notable, especially given what's happened recently with the burn pits legislation and his speaking right. out about that. With all that in mind and all these influences that I've talked about, what are the characteristics of your writing and your work? I like the, I'd like like to make sure that all of my writing is very historically minded, because I think too frequently you'll see takes from people. I don't want to name names or name like specific takes, but I think too frequently you'll see takes that just don't take into account things that happened previously, if that makes any sense. So I think it's really important that opinion writers especially understand the situation in which, the, the situation in which we live and understand that history did not just begin this year or a couple of years ago. So being history-minded, I think, is one. Being even-handed, I think, is another one that's very important. Being able to recognize when politicians you like enact policies that aren't very good, or when people on your side of the aisle are doing things that are inaccurate or in that that's another thing that i think is super important yeah so i think those two things being historically minded being even-handed i I would say i hope are the two biggest characteristics that people take from my writing and the people that influenced you you said john stewart's your greatest influence how did he influence you when i was a kid when i say i was a kid i was like yeah like again like in elementary school i would watch the daily show with john stewart on comedy central and it was hilarious i remember I actually rewatched this one a couple months ago. His bit on vaccines was like unbelievable to me. And it was sort of this introduction to the idea that analyzing politics and political situations didn't just have to be something that was, you know, sort of plaid and dull. You, You could do it in a way that was both informative and really entertaining. And another thing I like about Stewart is that, again, I don't think... Some people will say this about Stuart, but I don't, I don't think it was true. The idea that he was like a, like a partisan warrior, especially in his older stuff. He was willing to you know, take jabs at people on his own side. So he wasn't the, uh, the only one that you've cited as an influence. As I said in that mm-hmm. goodbye, you cited some nationally known columnists, and they were very much, I guess, to both extremes. Who in, right. particul- who in particular there did you, did you learn from? Yeah, so... I, I like all of them a lot, all the, all the people I mentioned, even the ones that I, I think I said, even the ones I disagree with most of the time. So like Michael Lind, who, who's, you know, political evolution from like traditional, like neoconservative to like more moderate centrist to now he's like a pretty sharp critic of a lot of progressive, a lot of progressive advocacy. I think I, I really love his writing. I, I learn a lot from basically every single piece he writes, especially because again, he writes a lot about history. I don't think there's anyone other than like actual his, like historical academics you're going to learn more about Andrew Jackson from or more about like the history of wasps. Ross Douthat, who's a conservative columnist of the Times, I really like his writing. Again, sort of very historically minded, very even-handed. I think brings critiques of liberal policy that I think is that liberals should keep in mind. Again, even when I disagree with them. Um, on the left, I think I mentioned another New York Times columnist, Jamal Bowie, who I think is again an excellent writer. His work on his his work on like the history of the Senate, his work on reconstruction. 
excuse me, uh, reconstruction and slavery, all that stuff is very interesting. I think the one thing that all of the writers I mentioned have in common is that I feel like whenever I read their writing, I'm not just reading like a bunch of talking points. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm actually learning something that's really interesting. So you, if you had any questions about the the larger point here is, so again, and just to remind people, we're talking to someone who just graduated high school, and you, as as we've talked about here, your writing was very op-ed in nature, as opposed to covering bad cafeteria food, for example. So you've written about transgender rights, you've written about female hygiene products, you've written about Joe Manchin, you've written about climate change, you've written about mask mandates, Republican Party. When you do these pieces, and admittedly, high school students are reading them, like, what's your intention with what you're trying to get across to them? Well, two things. So I think, I mean, the number one primary thing is to persuade people. I want people to read my pieces and then to think, hey, you know, I disagreed with this position before, but now I think that this position is correct. Or I didn't really have a strong position on this before, but now I agree with Ahmed. Or, you know, at the very least, hey, I thought Ahmed was dead wrong on this, but after reading this piece, I still think he's wrong, but I see more where he's coming from. If I can push people more towards agreeing with me on a lot of these really important issues, I think that's, I think that's something that's going to be very important. Sorry, I think I said two things. I meant three. So that was the first one. The second one is I think if I can encourage people to sort of be more interested in the things I'm talking about, even if they come away completely disagreeing, I consider that a win. So if people have a more nuanced understanding of like the history of the gay marriage debate or, you know, like X, Y, Z, any number of things that you talked about, then I would consider that a win. And then I guess the third thing that I want people to to gain from my stuff. I, I would say it's the least important, but I do definitely want people to be entertained, right? I mean, if people are reading my pieces in the same way that you might read, like, I don't know, a book that you're assigned in like seventh grade that you hate and think is boring, then I'm like, okay, well, I guess I haven't really accomplished my goal. I mean, it, it should be both informative and also something that people are, you know, enjoying reading because either my writing is interesting or the topics I'm writing about are interesting or something along, along those lines. Is there an op-ed that you've done that you're most proud of? And can you take us from the initial idea for it to the completion and the reaction from the people that read it? Yes. I think the thing, the op-ed I was definitely most proud of was the, uh, the first critical race theory piece I wrote, where I think, first of all, in terms of just pure research, I think it took, I, th I think it probably took more research from me than any of my other pieces. And I think it, it might actually be longer than any of my other pieces. I'd I would have to go and like manually check, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the reason I really enjoyed writing it is because I think I did a good job dispelling with some of the, I think just dead wrong arguments on both sides of the issue. While also I think broadly addressing the points that I think most people would agree with. Like I think most people would broadly agree that schools should teach about slavery and should teach about the, continuing legacies of racial inequities. But I think I also brought a perspective that was like, hey, a lot of these curriculums are a little bit excessive. There are some genuinely valid concerns here from parents. And I think by doing that, I, I don't know, I, I don't want my opinion, I don't want my like opinion archive to just be like a, what's the phrase, an echo chamber where people just hear things they agree with repeated back to them. So I think that piece was probably my favorite, or it's the one I'm most proud of. What was the experience like of covering some of the board of ed meetings where things get contentious? So I have to, I have to avoid any stolen valley here for any other like reporters at like the review journal. Cause I was never physically at any of the meetings. I watched gotcha. them. Yeah. I watched them live online. So I was never 
there for these sort of really intense. So, I mean, the experience was definitely interesting. In a sense, it was kind of beautiful in a, because it sort of was a democracy in action. Seeing people who absolutely fundamentally disagree about the issues so fervently and so ardently and who are so absolutely positive that they're right, still respecting, for the most part, <laughs> the other's rights to express their political opinions in a you know, sort of open platform, I, I, thought was, I thought was really sweet. Is there an instance where you read about something and now looking back on it, you feel like you might have gotten it wrong? Yes. I think I was too cavalier about the negative side effects of school shutdowns. I think that looking back, I honestly don't know if I, I, I think the argument against school shutdowns likely was stronger than the argument in favor of them. At least with hindsight, I think that's probably the case. And so looking back at some of the editorials, maybe I didn't write it, but I, I helped edit. I wish I gave a little bit more pushback on that front because I think the empirical evidence that the, that, you know, that schools weren't a really strong vector for, for spread of the disease, I think was a lot stronger than I, than I took into account. So you were also the managing editor of the mm -hmm. school paper. What was that role like? It was like 80% fun, I would say. Most <laughs> of my time as managing editor was really enjoyable because being able to edit people, being able to work with people, being able to help see younger writers' writing skills develop and grow, I thought it was really enjoyable. I really liked being managing editor. There was, a, there was definitely a sense of like unique pride when a piece that you edited like wins an award and then the, the person that you edited is super excited and they're like, oh my God, I'm mad I won this award. And I'm like, yeah, man, I can't believe it. And then I think 20% of the time it was I don't know, it could get frustrating at points, you know? Sure. Well, what were some of the challenges of trying to do it? I'd have to say, I, I, I think just in general, as an, as an editor, it can sometimes be difficult to address all of the concerns that people might have over a piece. And as managing editor, it can definitely be hard at points to sort of mediate conflicts between editors like the editor-in-chief above you or the section editors below you and the non-editors, there were points where conflicts would happen where I would have to step in and be like, like, hey guys, let's, you know what I mean? So sure. yeah, that, that was probably my least favorite part of the job. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I liked all the people I worked with, which was something awesome. I know some people, I, I know like horror stories of people who are like editors at school newspapers and they're like, dude, all these people are like three weeks late with all their stuff. They're so lazy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky to not have that happen to me. <laughs> so Matthew Laporte wrote a very glowing recommendation for you uh, mm -hmm. for the, the Journalist of the Year Award for Nevada. And I was curious if you wanted to give him a shout out and any other journalism mentors that you may have had at school. Yeah, shout out, shout out, Mr. Laporte. Thank you for the letter. Thank you for usually siding with me when I was arguing with someone else in the class. <laughs> For other journalism mentors, do you just mean like other people I looked up to or like people specifically that I knew that- People that helped you. Yeah, to anyone that I've ever, to anyone who's ever like written at The Shadow, whether you were a non-editor or a section editor, or whether you're one of my old editors in chief. Thank you so much for all the help that you gave me. I really appreciated working with you. Really appreciated all of the talks we had. And I hope that whether or not you stay in the journalism field, I hope your future is bright. Did you ever have any 
challenges in dealing with the administration at the school over some of the topics that you chose to write about? My topics generally weren't like school related. So and I that, don't that helped. think it's gotcha. right. That, yeah, that definitely helped. I don't think that I've ever, no, I don't think I've ever been in contact uh, or not contact, excuse me, in conflict with the school administrators. I've had to interview them a few times, especially when I did more reporting my uh, sophomore year and especially my, uh, my sophomore and junior years. But no, I don't think there's ever been a, oh, I, I'll say this. If, if there was a case like that, I'm not aware of it. Gotcha. I, I've never had the principal or someone else email me, be like, hey, man, like tone this down. We're not letting this go through. Cool. That, that's that's certainly good for you. Now, <laughs> you're someone, you're going to Chicago to study political science. How do you view yep. journalism now? And is it something that you would might wish to pursue? I have a lot more respect for journalists of all stripes than I did before. Um, activist journalists, ideological journalists, straight news reporters. I think the job is a lot harder than people give it credit for. So yeah, I have a lot of respect for them. Yeah, I, I think I gained a lot of respect for them. That's that, that, that's my answer to the question. Is it is? What are your career aspirations? After well, I hope to get a couple of internships as an undergrad, and then after that, I hope to go to law school and then be a lawyer in the public interest. So, criminal defense or a public defender or an immigration attorney. Sure, that that's fantastic. Now you worked for a think tank that studied universal basic income, which, going back to what you talked about at the very beginning is pertinent. You're part of another think tank that is student-based. You've also been on debate team. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how that folds into your worldview and how it may have folded into your journalism. Yeah, like I mentioned, the reason why I like doing stuff like that is because it's really helpful to understand the perspectives that other people have and the perspectives that other people are coming from in regards to not just public policy, but general world philosophy, general worldviews that people have. Debate especially, I think, is really excellent because it specifically forces you to argue both sides of an issue. So you basically have to be able to have a decent grasp of every single potential point or argument that can be made on a particular issue, which I think is excellent. I think I think debate should be something that should be like a mandatory like first-year elective for high school students because it's, it's really... I, 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 I imagine it's probably frustrating for a lot of people to like be arguing with someone and they just don't know a thing about your position. <laughs> like if, if you were to like ask them to repeat it back to you, they, they would just be totally dead eyed. So yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons I enjoy doing that stuff. So what advice do you have for aspiring student journalists? Maybe someone who's like yourself, black or white, who has a right. strong opinion on something, but maybe unlike you, they're a little fearful of showing it. If you're fear well, it depends on the reason why you're fearful of showing it, right? So like if you're fearful because literally everyone else has a completely opposite opinion, right, man, it really depends on your personality type. Because for me, that sounds really fun, arguing with a bunch of people that think I'm dead wrong about something. But for a lot of people, I think for most people, that sounds really discomforting. So something that you should probably try doing is argue the position on grounds that your opponents would agree on. So if you're arguing a liberal position in a super conservative school, Maybe try saying, hey, this liberal position is actually in line with you know, the conservative values of like self-reliance and national pride or whatever. And the inverse, if you're in a super conservative area or if you're in a super liberal area, and you're arguing a conservative position, maybe say, hey, you know, liberals support quality and tolerance. Therefore, they should support this policy. It's not like a foolproof way to convince people, but I think it'll 
decrease a lot of enmity that you might. So I saw that you did that in something that you wrote with regards to taking the argument of being patriotic and you used it to espouse a liberal viewpoint. And I, yeah. I, I noticed that that was something that you did. So the podcast, yeah. the podcast is called the Journalism Salute. We're not upset that you that you may not wish to go into journalism. That's perfectly fine. We salute you for your good work and for winning the awards that you've won. Now we ask you to pay it forward. Is there a journalist or journalism organization that you're not affiliated with that you would like to salute for their good work? Okay, so I was going to say Youth Journalism International, which is a really strong advocacy organization for young, especially high school journalists. I think they do a lot of excellent work in regards to freedom of speech and in regards to sort of expanding opportunities to a lot of young journalists, especially young marginalized journalists. Any free speech organization that takes pro bono cases from student journalists, two thumbs up to you know those folks. I think they do excellent work too. And yeah, those are that's my answer. Ahmed, Ahmed, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Again, awesome to be here. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us at JournalismSalute at gmail.com.